0: Thanks for listening to this Word in Your Ear podcast. If you'd like to get early access to all our productions ad-free, priority booking for our live events, and to take part in our weekly quiz, go to patreon.com slash Ear for more details.
1: You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewellery.
0: This word in your ear is brought to you thanks to NordVPN. VPN, as you probably know, stands for Virtual Private Network, which is always keep your data safe on the internet, whether you're logging in either at home or abroad. VPN protects your identity and encrypts your data so that nobody can steal that identity. And At the same time, it enables you to access the internet via servers in more than 50 different countries. This means you can often sidestep region restrictions and stream movies and TV programmes from all around the world. Because the great truth about streaming, which is the film you want to see, is streaming always in another country. In my travels recently on NordVPN, just now I've been watching The Jerk with Steve Martin, The Wrong Arm of the Law with Peter Sellers. I've been flicking between the bold and the beautiful and the young and the restless on American daytime TV and catching up with the steamy series which currently has the entire population of Romania glued. Meanwhile, you can take advantage of a deal where you can try NordVPN by going to nordvpn.com slash your ear or just use the code YOUREAR to get a huge discount off your NordVPN plan and one additional month for free and a bonus gift. It's risk-free because there's a 30-day money-back guarantee. Full details in the show notes.
1: You're listening to a podcast from the Word. So
0: here we are. We're in Soho, Mark. This is very exciting. We're in. Um, we're down at the basement of Twenty One Soho, just off Soho Square, which is where we're going to be for for two. Where in your We are. Events. We're going to be on the
2: 25th of September, where we're talking to Richard Morton Jack about his fantastic book about Nick Drake. And also Kathy
0: Unsworth talking about Season of the Witch, which is her story about being a teenage goth. Absolutely. And then we're back here the following month with John Higgs uh, and John, who wrote an excellent book about the Beatles and James Bond not long ago. And uh, he's just had his... his Ten-year-old book about the KLF republished in a hardback edition. So going to be terrific about, book. As well. Talking about that, and he's also involved in writing the book with yeah, he, he does, our other yeah. guest,
2: with, with Ian Brody. He wrote the uh, the book uh, about Ian Brody's well, his memoir about his life in the Lightning Seeds, which will be a very good story. That's going to be really interesting. So John,
0: Ian Brody and John Higgs and John Higgs. And so you know, if you haven't got your tickets already, make sure you do so. We've so we've just had the great excitement to walking through Soho... Uh, you you don't go in Soho very often. Not that no, often, but nearly every time I do, I, I see somebody well-known. It's always Stephen Fry scurrying. It, it's usually Stephen Fry. or Casey Paul, Paul McCartney. You yeah, know, some, somebody like that. Somebody you know, immensely famous. It's and a to, member of the private eye staff. And today... T- we today was that. no
2: exception, no, was, we was we were. I'd say we're topping it. We've moved to a new level, actually. We passed someone who I can, can categorically confirm was the drummer... Of Principal Edwards Magic Theatre, <laughs> who I saw in I think 1971 on stage at the Wheelie Festival playing a song called Kettering. So there you go. Yeah, actually, he lives. In, well, he used to live quite near me, and I recognise him. For the Lynn Edwards of Principal Edwards Magic Theatre. I thought that kind of looks familiar. It suddenly struck me to see past.
0: For the benefit of anybody who, who is not familiar with the theatre, <laughs> can you recapitulate their uh, their story? They're, well, kind of, uh, They're a, a kind of a alumnus of... Um, John Peel's John Peel absolutely Dandelion loved them, and I think
2: he put out some of their tracks on one of his compilations. Actually, what are they? They're a kind of um, you know hippy, um, you know collective um, theatre group songs. People dressed in strange robes, very pointed often,
0: hats, very often a dog on stage.
2: Dog on him stage, him very well done. Yes, yeah. so kind of. Rambling kind of commune dwelling people of the of the, of the type of, uh, of the global village trucking company in that kind of bracket, <laughs> really. But yeah, Peel loved them, and we were talking about those dandelion compilations. What,
0: what, what was the name of that dandelion
2: compilation? There is some fun going there will, forward. There
0: will be there some will fun be going, going, going forward, forward. I think it was called. That's right. I think it had a picture of John Peel in the bath on the cover. Yeah, it? it did. Yeah, with the naked woman. With a naked woman. <laughs> oh no, God. It was pretty much obligatory. Things days. you <laughs> cannot do. I, I can't even, better, barely even say it, actually. So oh, Lord. And so the, the drummer of the, of the Magic Theatre probably thinks he goes through life nowadays unremarked and unrecognised. Well, how wrong he is! How wrong he is! Well, I mean, it happened to
2: us. We were we were at a show. Uh, <laughs> we were at a show. Uh, the the uh, Paul McCartney's uh, which we discussed. Actually, Paul McCartney's wonderful uh, photographic show at the Nat- uh, National Port- Portrait Gallery, and this girl came up to us. With... <laughs> and I thought she was going to tell us to stop taking photographs. Actually, we were <laughs> taking photographs of ourselves, with some Paul McCartney's pictures in the background. And she said, "I've just got to say, I, I was um, I was a word reader <laughs> and word subscriber, and I really loved the magazine. I'm so sorry it's not there." We were just thinking how. She must have thought this was absolutely priceless. The two of us, all these years later, still knocking about together in summer, <laughs> gone to see a Paul McCartney exhibition, and now taking selfies of ourselves with McCartney's prints in the background. It's pathetic. Oh, God it? almighty. It's, it we're put, so
0: on brand. It puts our characterisation of, of Mick and Keith and Ronnie as being compo-cleggy and foggy from the last summer wine, rather in the shade, doesn't it, really? And, uh, no, believe it was. it was always nice to be... Uh, be, to be recognized by a, a grateful word I reader, know, I think I always think touch. somebody's going to complain and say, "I, I haven't had an issue for ten years, and I paid a subscription." Yeah, or no, I'm, still, I'm still on direct debit. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so that that was nice. That's that's our adventure in, in, in the wild west end. And how good was the show? So we went to see... Well, you've seen it before. I've seen it. It's my second time. It's so it? 1963
2: to 64, Eyes of a Storm. Eyes of the Storm, yes. That is the title, and it's, a, it's McCartney's photographs from that period. In kind of, I suppose in three sections, really, aren't there? There's the kind of UK stuff, 1963, and then there's the kind of late 63 Paris... Section and then 64 from Med Sullivan, kind of on was their trip, first trip to
0: America. Um, it, um, I thought it was absolutely wonderful, but isn't it just as you said to me? It's kind of it, It's a, a, a memento of a period where they suddenly had enough money to buy the toys they wanted, yeah, and the toy that Paul McCartney wanted. Was a proper camera, you know, not not an instamatic. Actually, it's probably pre-instamatic in those days, you know. So a proper camera, proper camera, and also could afford to pay for the film and the processing. And so it was. It's a real fad, isn't it? The exhibition is a is a a kind of a a, a memento of a nine day wonder, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It happens (laughs) to coincide with these. Absolutely extraordinary event. Yeah. It? It's a very well done exhibition. Uh, we're, we're apparently out there on a quiet day. Well, I hate to think what it's like on a busy day. it's was heavy, wouldn't it? Because there are a lot of people yeah. in there today. <coughs> and it starts with, you know, early shots of them doing. Um, uh, we're do- doing jukebox jury. Jukebox jury those pieces of David Jacobs. I must actually slight detour. I want to t- tell you about this. I, I didn't warn you about this. I'm um, talking about jukebox jury. <laughs> it's um, this year is the hundredth anniversary of the Radio Times, and I do stuff for the Radio Times. And they asked me. They got in touch with me and said we're doing we're doing ten covers from the past. Uh, historical covers, and we we want people who were there at the time to write something about them. What they what they represent. can you reveal what you chose? No, well, I didn't choose one. They gave okay. you know, they, yeah, right. they said, "Can you do this one?" And they they gave me the cover of the Radio Times from, I think it's December 1963, when they appeared on jukebox. Sure, when the Beatles appeared on jukebox Jury. And uh, I said, great, I can do that. I remember that. Now, I wrote a piece about it, only a short piece. And, um, and one of the things I wrote a little bit about, but I feel I can talk more, talk to you more about, was the fact that I had mentioned in just a couple of sentences, sentences, this is a relic of an era when groups were always represented photographically by a number of cut-out heads. Do you remember this? And so... What you have is you know the, the graphics on the cover, *Jubal Jury*, and then the Beatles are down the side, that's that right. kind of thing, stacked up on top of yep. each other. And if you oh, go slightly wacky and slightly crazy, if you go back and look at *Fabulous* magazine from 1963, that's what they were Festival, like. They? Or, or, you know, my well, other, little drop-ins at yeah. the top right-hand corner. And, then, and and then you go further on into in America in *16* magazine and Herman's Hermits yeah. and the Monkeys and all that, and *Tiger Beat* and all these things. How did they present groups always, always, always? Was as a series for heads. Yeah. They completely cut them out. The designer wouldn't, didn't want to be bothered trying to accommodate a sh- an odd shape into their cover. But
2: isn't it a really good idea? Because you think how many. No, it's a terrible no,
0: idea. no, 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 because you think how many more pop stars you can get on the cover if you don't have their body. Well,
2: possibly. <laughs> it's a commercial idea. But it's not. I mean, it's e- terrible. It's terrible, but in terms of selling and, magazines, it's and a good it was, idea.
0: And, well, I'm not even sure because. I think it fundamentally, you know, it takes away something that is a huge part of the appeal of those groups, that w- which made those groups in the 60s suddenly a lot more magnetic than the groups you'd seen before, which is that you saw them in the real world. Yeah. There were photographs, you know, the early pictures of the Beatles, were, you know, on the docks at Liverpool, all, the, all that kind of thing. You know, pictures of the Rolling Stones hanging around in Chelsea. It was the background. You yeah, know, they lived like in the same world hit.
2: as you yeah, did. Yeah, it does not give the impression that uh, that three-dimensional They don't look real at all. They look they're like cartoons f- figures. You've, you've actually just... You've taken them over and you're just
0: using those little <laughs> chess pieces to move yeah, around a yeah, board. Yeah. you know. So, anyway, that right. was... Yeah, that's all I want to say about Jukebox jury And, um, well, I've said before... They appeared on Jukebox Jury, and they reviewed uh, one of the records. They reviewed was "Kiss Me Quick" by Elvis Presley, wow. which they're a bit sniffy about. And Paul McCartney, Paul McCartney says it's like Blackpool on a Saturday afternoon, which at the time was considered a hugely disrespectful thing to say about Elvis Presley and about Blackpool, <laughs> possibly. Um, so there they are, you know. And so McCartney's. Focusing on anything, pointing his camera at anything that looks like showbiz. Oh, it's so... It looks as if he's going to take it back to his father in Liverpool and say, look who I saw yeah. down down in the smoke or whatever, you know. Here's a camera, here's a showgirl, you know, all the... All those kind of things. It is. Which it's kind of
2: starstruck, isn't it? It's really starstruck. I not a picture of David Jacobs because you think I'm actually in a room with David Jacobs. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get onto this later, but things change. Yeah. very rapidly yeah. the other way around. The whole yeah. world looking at them. But it's so funny because you've got all the. If you're of students of the kind of, uh, you know, the Beatles, uh, the Beatles family, as we are, to see Louise Harrison, yes. George's sister, fabulous, it's just like George. Peter Asher, Jane Asher, um, you know, uh, Frida Kelly from the fan club, Robert Freeman, the photographer. Um, Judy, Bryant Somerville, Judy, Judy uh, 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 who married um, uh, the secretary, uh, uh, who married George, George Martin. Judy was there. Oh, right?
0: Judy Lockhart. Lockhart's, Lockhart, Lockhart yeah, Smith.
2: That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, So they're all in there, um, and also. A few captions which say "unknown woman." I think is absolutely she, brilliant.
0: Unknown woman is in
2: it all yeah, the way through. She appears it. all the time, and so McCartney <laughs> is kind of pretending to take a picture of, of yes. some quite well known light entertainment <laughs> presenter, and then turns the camera and focuses on the girl in the back, who's immensely fired up by it, excited about the fact that Paul McCartney is taking a photograph of her. What a little devil!
0: Absolutely. So that's good. No, yeah, it's it really is. You can't help thinking that. <laughs> that every time Paul McCartney casts his eyes on what would have been described in those days as a cracking bird...
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he thinks... i going to take a picture of it. <laughs>
0: I'm going to take a picture oh, no. of it. And oh, no. you
2: know. And... Uh, yeah, no. It's funny. It's funny they're all in black and white too, because you think of the past as being.
0: Black oh and white. god, it's black and white. I mean, it changes the colour later
2: on. You feel a bit, a bit, a bit robbed actually. But it's still got immense amounts of the thrill of being a beetle. That everything around them, they're absolutely knocked out about. And the thing that struck me too is that um, was that McCartney. It's like the way he wrote songs. He wrote songs in the most organised way, he didn't write songs, he wrote records we've had this conversation Mm. before, and if you watch, you know, get back the bit where he he teaches the ball, you know, Maxwell's silver hammer, and he says, that goes like that, that goes like that, that goes like that, he knows every single part, he can hear it in his head and, uh, you know, come and get it for Badfinger, that demo he did in about you know, half an hour. Every single part he's worked out. And actually, I thought he took pictures the same way. Because if John Lennon had taken pictures, John Lennon's pictures would have been kind of sense-impressionistic and they would have been slightly pretentious. They were broadly about John Lennon, yeah, yeah. Even if there were pictures of somebody else, it would be telling something more about John Lennon, by the way he took them. Whereas McCartney's pictures have a kind of architectural, structural quality, which is fantastic. Yeah, really yeah. thought through. Yeah. You get lots of context, the text tell a story. You're backstage in a theatre. You're on the streets in Paris. You see the people on the boulevard. You see Parisian paparazzi taking pictures of them. It's just... Are they, I thought they were really fantastic. It's, it's just the it's
0: compositional a, sense. is uh, brilliant. As an exhibition, it's really well done. Yeah. Very, very well done. The captions are all there. You yeah. Know. You want to know who every person is in every picture. Well, I do. Yeah. So I'm fascinated by the ...supposed minor characters, you know, that you... You see, um, you see a picture of Tony Barrow, who was the PR... Yeah, he wrote the Sleeve Notes. the Sleeve Notes, and twist and shout, I think he did. And uh, was was Tony Barrow, the man who, <laughs> who... ...who originated the famous line that our old friend... Uh, ...Paul I always used to repeat, which is, "Pop picking his fast and furious business. That's <laughs> right, that's it. <laughs> I think you was. Anyway. Anyway... Tony Barrow, slightly greased back hair, looks as if he ought to be on the fairground in That'll Be The Day. Yeah. And then in the same year... Uh, what's his name? Um, Robert Freeman. Robert Freeman, the photographer, the photographer, who suddenly looks like... He's got a, he's got a turtleneck neck sweater. The smoothest man of, you've ever got seen. his, his hair run. greased back. Looks no, he's not greased back at all. No, that's what There's no brill cream. Barrow brill Cream. Not Freeman. That's the that's the big. Yeah, because the Beatles would give up on it up a little too. Absolutely, yeah. that yeah. was the thing that was different about the Beatles. That the hair was forward. It wasn't back. And fifties hair goes back. Yeah. Sixties hair comes forward and goes, you know, right down over the eyes. Um, and then of course they they go to America, don't they? Well, so that's, they, that's an amazing bit. They change, change it to colour. So when, is now Change the colour when they go to Palm Beach. When they Palm go to Florida. Go to Florida and he buys some Kodachrome or something. And, and, and you actually like saying, Paul, no, 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 it ruins it. But,
2: oh, the American bit's amazing because now he, he's... Well, like much like the Paris actually, but even more so here. They're, they're tourist pictures, aren't they? They're pictures taken by somebody in 1964 who's never been to America. And we were talking about this earlier. I mean, I didn't know anybody yeah. in 1964 who'd been to America. Not for a year. I didn't go to America myself until 1977. So everything you knew about America, you knew from the movies. And they must have been thinking, in February, we're in Florida. My God, it's hot. Yeah. We're surrounded by people wearing bikinis. There are people drinking cocktails. Everything seemed absolutely incredible. And he takes pictures of um, hotels, it takes, it takes pictures of police
0: guns. Now, I did the same absolutely. thing. It's amazing.
2: Ninety-seven. said, I don't think I'd ever seen a Never gun seen in a my gun life. Before. And I took a picture of a policeman's holster with a gun in it. They took pictures of limos, they took pictures from the windows of hotels showing the distance to the street below. Yeah, which is uh, exciting. Yeah, it itself. really is. They took pictures of the advertising hoardings in the street, they took pictures of uh, cinemas. There's one cinema with a thing on the outside saying, uh, Christine Keeler goes nudist plus play girls. <laughs> we don't know what this is, but obviously it was just it, they took pictures on the plane. Yeah, Pictures yeah. them on the plane, just being in the, plane. the view out of the window, of the uh, you know of the of the, of the of the of the of the of the engines of the plane and the clouds. It's just oh, it's wonderful, and so that's that's a really exciting part. Of it. And the other exciting thing is that. You're seeing the world of the Beatles from inside the sphere. Yeah. So uh, there's one absolutely incredible photograph, beautifully composed again, of him in the back of, a, of some kind of limo and you can see him in the wing mirror. He's positioned himself in the wing mirror with the camera. And outside you can see this massive crowd of people being held back by police with, with whistles and big boots, you know. And they're, they're screaming because they know the Beatles are in that car. Then there's one a bit later where you see a woman who's actually spotted a member of the Beatles just busting out this thing. And it's so exciting. And so he's, he's giving you an impression of what it would be like to be surrounded by these screaming fans and these and these packs of paparazzi with their cameras and um, and really loving it because at that stage it also struck me that at that point there was no hindsight no. nobody had any idea that you were entering into anything else, anything that was going to be anything but a really amazing experience. There wasn't gonna be another now you, you you experience success, you think I'm gonna to have to come out of this at some stuff. Yeah. Some stage. Come out the other side and survive it. You know, but then it's just hundred percent the thrill of being,
0: you know, the eye of the storm as he puts it. Amazing. And it's amazing, so this stuff has sat in a in a drawer yeah. for how many years? Sixty years yeah. or something like that. He must have known it was there, must he?
2: Well, I think McCartney is, I I get the feeling, speeding up, actually, in terms of whatever he can do as regards his legacy. Because he's probably thinking, well, I might not be here in five years' time. So whatever I've got to put out, whatever poetry, whatever lyrics, uh, whatever photographs, whatever stuff I've still got, I might as well put out in my
0: lifetime. Uh, And be in control of it. I mean, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um... Which he clearly has been with this. Yeah, he has. It, it's it's very <laughs> impressive. It is. And there's a bit where they go to the, the Ed Sullivan show, and there are really he scores sheets and
2: sheets of pictures of him. You'd think on that day, particularly with the sound check and all the pressure on them, that's what he was doing, going around photographing. Because he just couldn't have been more thrilled. We're in America. We're on the Ed Sullivan show. This may end tomorrow. You know, let's just 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 preserve.
0: But there's it. one picture that I like. I don't know if it's New New, new York or Washington, but it's black and white. And it's reproduced really quite big um, in the exhibition. And it's taken out of a limousine, probably f- front window or whatever. And uh, and on the pavement, the opposite pavement, there are a few cops and then a load of kids. And they are kids, it's yeah. really important to say. They're 12, 13. They're not 17, you know. Yeah, yeah. They're 12, 13. Those are the Beatles people. And... Um, and they're looking around for the Beatles because they know the Beatles are there. And then one girl just clearly looked and seen. She's it. spotted. She's spotted that she's having a picture taken by Paul McCartney. By McIver. Paul McCartney. <laughs> you just think that's an extraordinary thing because he is taking a picture the like of which nobody has taken it off because that a situation hasn't occurred. well
2: we were talking about this, so you, you made the really good point so which is more which is more exciting to have a picture of the beetle or to have a picture of yourself taken by a beetle and so all the people who appear in those crowd pictures must by now have got copies of this book Surely. it must have gone out to them, someone has said mate, you know, do you remember that day in that 64,
0: well, <laughs> yeah. have a look at this book yeah, there's, at there's you Yeah, it's absolutely extraordinary it's amazing and, uh, well, you know, I think it closes in, um, in the beginning of October, doesn't it, in, in London. And then it's going to, where did it go, in Virginia? Virginia, they it? said it was going to Virginia. That's so, right. you know, if you, if you want to get around to seeing it in, in London, you know, get on with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Highly recommend yeah. it.
1: Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. the word podcast prime cuts of popular culture served fresh each week
0: so we got sent a thing from uh, jamie bowman oh that. yeah, jamie <laughs> Croman, wasn't yeah. It? that's right and uh, he said you'll like this and he wasn't wrong it was uh, a website where somebody's gone to the trouble of working out the bands who have had the most members is that is that that's fair? pretty much it yeah that's a fair
2: summary and, and um, I was astonished to find out who had had the most. Did that surprise you? It did. The he group had only been going forty years. <laughs> has did. had seventy-three members. <laughs> the Waterboys. The Waterboys. Oh, no, I know. I didn't see that coming. But Santana was not Santana, far away. Santana, 67 down. members in whatever it is, about 55 years. Iron Butterfly, 59. <laughs> Iron Butterfly? Texas Midnight. The one they left out, actually, I don't think it was in that list. Famously, was The Fall. I mean, there are rumours that The Fall has as many as 60, 60 oh, members. Yes, but The surely. Fall certainly had 43 members. There was a great piece in uh, Viz once, a kind of spoof piece. Which started off with the immortal words: um, uh, "Most pe- people in Britain have been a member of the Fall at some stage of their lives," which is really good. And it reminded me that there were three people who were thrown out of the Fall under the most extraordinary circumstances. Mark Riley was sacked, supposedly for dancing to Deep Purple. Yeah, E. Smith saw him dancing to Deep Purple in some club and on his wedding day. Was sacked for this crime. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure he had a reason for sacking. Them. He was just using this as a kind of characterful E. Smith yeah, yeah, type yeah. thing. Yeah. Somebody else was sacked for uh, adjusting, fiddling with uh, Marquis Smith's but Somebody else for eating a salad. Sound engineer who ate a salad in front of him <laughs> and then discovered that the tour bus didn't pick him up
0: the next morning. Amazing. <laughs> canned no, Heat, 43 members. There was cradle no, a- of filth. no HR department in the fall. Absolutely there? none. You couldn't take it 20? No, 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 no. Canned Heat, how many? Canned Heat have had uh, 43 members as My well. My goodness. Cradle of Filth, 39. Simply read 26. How many members of Candy Heat can you name? Well, I can probably remember uh, the the original five. Are we going to do it? We're going to do it. Fito de la Para on drums.
2: Okay. Larry the Mole Taylor on bass. Henry the Sunflower on uh, guitar. Um, The Blind Owl. Owl, Blind Owl Owl Wilson. Owl, Blind Owl Wilson
0: on lead guitar, I think it was.
2: And uh, Bob the Bear Bob the Bear
0: Height, the singer. Not bad. Did did five of them. We did five. I can go a bit further. Harvey Mandel joined when Henry Vestine left. Um, and like- <laughs> I love this. <laughs> I love it. In some small corner
2: of a foreign field, there are two blokes in So running through mixed members of Candy. <laughs> oh, God, I love it. Oh, my God. But also, think about the, the groups who have had the fewest members. sort it's, is uh, up until recently. Oh, it's true. And they gone for 50 years with the same... Uh, yeah, that's same true. But you two, I do think it's is i you two have been going nearly 50 years now yeah. with the four blokes you met at school. Now, I, I, I always say, imagine, just pick randomly three people you were at school with at the age
0: of 15. Yeah, and imagine keep, you...
2: Keep, the, keep them in your head for a moment. Now imagine you <laughs> had to be That's in rude. business and, and in a creative context and in a tour bus and an aeroplane.
0: So, listeners, here's, here's a game you can play. It's the U2 game. Ga- yeah. Go and find an old school photograph of you, of your class, Yeah, from when you were like 16, 17. Yeah. I get it. Now pick three people, just randomly, with a pen. Yeah. Now imagine you've been in a group with them for 50 years. How do you feel? <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: Obviously, if the money's pouring in, fine. But It's still a straight. is It's still an odd one, that is. It's still a strain, it's still it? it's still there, strain. No, that's amazing. I think that's incredible. Husker Du, Blur, Muse, The Strokes, and Radiohead.
0: None of yeah. them have ever changed their lineups. Yeah. Pretty good, isn't it? It's, it's remarkably good. It is. No, I mean, I They've kidding. probably all got... Uh, You know, kind of similar profit-sharing arrangements uh, to the ones that you two have got.
2: Yeah, certainly.
0: So (laughs) nobody's falling out because they're not making as much money money as the songwriter. Exactly. So
2: there'd be no reason to leave. Precisely. We should mention, I think, just very briefly, Jeff Davis. Do you remember Jeff Davis? Oh right, yes. Jeff very sadly died just the other day. Jeff Davis was a (laughs) Liverpudlian character who uh, started Probe Records, the record shop, and Probe plus the label which signed uh, Half Man Half Biscuit and the farm and tiller, the stockbroker and various people but otherwise really interesting character because he's a bit like Bruce Finley was in Edinburgh with Bruce's records and Terry Hooley remember yeah, Good Vibrations. Vibrations in, yeah. in Belfast that so he's one of these guys who um, had a, a record shop and invited in you know um, Witch- Waves Witch- strays <laughs> miscreants <laughs> misfits creative types. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. The lost, the lonely, the different, you know. The kind of people actually often went on form bands. Pete Burns of Dead or Alive, lots of pictures of him working in uh, Probe records uh, when he was a teenager. And he did all of that, you know, the, the exotic flora and fauna he once described most. He's a really interesting opinionated guy. I was looking at an interview that he did the other day, and I just give an example of a couple of things he said that was really, really amazing. So he must have been, I suppose, about mid-70s, because he's talking about going to see the Beatles in, in the cavern. So the first time I saw the Beatles, I didn't get them at all. Uh, there were only one of two non-jazz bands playing that night when I first encountered them. Kenny Ball was headlining, and the Beatles came on at around 2am. The noise they made! They used amplifiers, and none of the jazz bands did back then. A few seconds was enough for me and my mate. We went down to the pierhead, where there was an all-night tea and pie stall, and we hung out there until we thought it would be safe to go back in again. But to say because nobody I saw the Beatles change. Yes, they, my were life. they were brilliant. They're absolutely brilliant. That was really great. He did, however, go on and see them like, about fifty times more. They talked about record shop. It's so opinionated. And so, and uh, uh, this is really why he formed a record shop. He said there was a, a place called uh, Edwards in Kensington. It was the only kind of secondhand record shop Kensington, which is part of Liverpool. So I went in there trying to buy the Doors, waiting for the sun. The, the guy behind the counter wouldn't let me hear the tracks from the record. Wouldn't even remove the sleeve from the window to let me look at it. And if you put me off spending my money, it just left me thinking, I could do a better job. Right. So that's why he started a,
0: a, a record. Uh, Didn't he dedicate himself to making sure everybody in Liverpool heard Forever Changes" by, by love? I think, yeah, I think he did. He never tried it on me while well, I wasn't at Liverpool. No, no, well, you would take some converting. it's <laughs> no, not one of your favourites. No, I mean, to be fair, with Forever Changes," I try again every year. I do. Yeah. Once a year, I get it out, I put it on, yeah. No, nope, still nothing. Still can not. <laughs> feel anything. The earth move? No. Not at all. It's a really odd thing. I'm fair about it. I am trying. Yeah, though, yeah. But uh, you can't try with music at all. No. So, Probe, I have a dim and distant memory of going in there once, God knows how many years ago. I mean, it wasn't far from the cavern, was it? Uh, I think quite nearby. Yeah, yeah. I it was on a corner. I seem to yeah. remember it on a on a corner of Cobble Street. Forgive yeah. me, anybody in Liverpool, if I got that wrong. Uh, I do remember going in there. But obviously a man with, you know, a, a great little affection for
2: Oh, him. people absolutely loved him. And I mean, he probably won't get massive obits anywhere, but I think he was just a very, very important figure. You know, all those bands like the Teardrop Explodes and Echo and the Body Men and Big in Japan, all those people kind of met. They would either meet in Eric's Club or they would go to Pro Records, and that's where they all hung it's around. It's the,
0: the early managers, managers. Matters so much, yeah, yeah they do. with all bands, yeah, don't they? Yeah, they're the people who believe in them when nobody else does, yeah. and they're very often the people who lose their houses as a consequence of their kind of, you know, bailing them out in in early days. Yeah, it tends to happen. So, uh, oh, I know what I wanted to say to you. I heard a thing this morning which stopped me in my tracks. I was listening to a very good podcast from the New York Times. Which is, um, how come was it called? I can't remember what it's called. It's bad technology. And it was basically talking about surveillance technology and so forth. Uh, and they said, just as a throwaway, said, bear, bear in mind that in your lifetime, your phone may fall into the hands of the police and they will know everything there is to know about instantly. And it really made me think. Because it's obvious, really. <laughs> you know, if the police come dealing with anybody in you know, a kind of suspicious you know, situation or whatever, if you get somebody's phone, you can immediately look at the photographs, you can immediately say, see where they live, who they live with, who they're married to, what they do. Well, it
2: tells you with every picture. It tell you where it was taken and what day it was taken. It will actually it'll even tell you who the people in the pictures
0: are. So uh, there's, you're bang to rise. There's no point interviewing anybody no. any longer, is it? It's just all there. Yeah. Sorry, that really makes No, it really
2: is astonishing.
0: <laughs> it never
2: again. You know, as a mate of mine, I can remember him telling me this about ten or fifteen years ago, he said to his son that he must he must erase a lot of the pictures that he has on his on his site. You know, because you know, he'll never get a job. If people go and look at it, I don't mean anything particularly dodgy, it's just pictures of him kind of, with a load of lads waving that's bottles lovely. of Budweiser at the camera. Because that's, that's going to be, you know, if you're being interviewed for a job and they're going to research
0: you, then the first thing you're going to do is go and look at your Instagram or something and think, oh my God, really? Yeah, are you yeah. sure? So anybody getting hold your phone just see a load of pictures of you and me sitting talking. About <laughs> <them>. <laughs> I know. Talking about Pete Brown's battered talking ornaments. About Prince Edward's <laughs> Magic Theatre. See if we name A former, criminal offense. Former yes. members of Gnidralog. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, That kind of thing. So what else were we going to talk about? We're going to talk about Simon Raymond and something about CDs Oh up, God, yeah. yes, Simon Raymond. Very, so. very interesting. Simon Raymond of 4AD and Cocktail Twins and so forth. He posted a thing the other week saying that, that for the first time in almost in living memory, yeah, they had sold more CDs than they had sold long playing records. Yeah. and I thought, is the is the comeback that I have long predicted? Well, I think you're right. Is it is I it happening? Right. Is the, is the tide turning? You know, because just I've just been in the record shop round the corner before I met you. And you know Taylor Swift vinyl fifty. Pounds. Well, this is it. It's, it's what it costs fifty
2: quid. Pop records. Last time I went to pop records, and I had a look at Blonde on Blonde by Dylan. It was three quid. That's a double album for three quid on CD, which is amazing. Okay. It also, it's, it's not it as cheap. But it also struck me. There's a lot of to do. With obviously, the sound quality, because people are just used to fantastically pristine sound quality, which you don't always get on vinyl, unless you have because a it may be a really knackered old copy. Yeah. B you actually have to have. Some very expensive equipment to play awesome. it on to, awesome. to make it sound... And also there's new. the
0: perennial danger that you will scratch it. And you might scratch it. Whereas <laughs> doesn't really happen with a CD at all. And, and, uh, and that anybody <laughs> between the age of about 30 and
2: 50, for them, that was the the main format, really, wasn't it, for a long time. So you're going to feel some kind of affection for it. But I think I think they're completely different experiences. Like Listening to CDs, if you... I mean, A, also there's the physical aspect of it, you know, that you get into you listen to a load of streams and you start to really like one particular act or one particular artist or band, whatever, then you want to go back and have physical yeah. copies of those things because otherwise the kind of folklore, the, the composite picture of them doesn't really take place until you can have sleep notes You've and pictures have a, of physical things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I can really understand that and you can collect them, you know. But um, no, it struck me that um, you know, that, that the uh, vinyl experience is a it's a slightly different thing, don't you think? Listening to vinyl is very much kind of... I, I'm listening to vinyl, rather than just listening to music. It, it's vinyl. Record playing now, hashtag. You know, isn't it? It's kind of like, I imagine What I'm actually doing is going back and finding... An old antique. It's really. an antique. It's an antique. It's like a piece of old furniture. And I'm putting yeah. it on and I'm going back to 1967 or something. Yeah. Like, kind of yeah. revisiting
0: this particular moment, you know. And that's a totally different thing from just bunging a CD. or yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, will we see the comeback of cd shops actual shops in the high street selling cds is it possible because as we said before we're in the west end of london right now you know you used to be able to walk all the way down oxford street and there was there was virgin there was hmv there was tower there was all these places we could just kill hours couldn't you in yeah. record shops and you haven't been able to do that for years Whereas the experience of walking down Oxford Street nowadays is boring. There's nowhere you want to linger. Not at all. remotely. No. Not, not, not at all. Yes, not if, a pair of, not you know, even a US trainers. candy shop. The US candy shop. <laughs> or, yeah. If you, if you want to, if you want to go steaming through, a, you know, Sports Direct or whatever, and see how many pairs of trainers you can get away with. So we shall, uh, we shall watch that with with, uh, with interest to see if uh, any of that stuff comes back. Well, I know the other thing. We, um, if, you, if you're a Patreon supporter and you haven't already done so, don't forget to join us uh, for our Friday night quiz, um, which starts at six o'clock on Friday. Where basically we give you a load of picture clues, it takes place via Zoom. Uh, we give you a load of picture clues, and you have to Guess which LP we're talking about? It used to be a band, but we've done band. so many of them. We've run out. Of bands. We've run out of bands. It's now it's now a particularly famous classic album. And the last one we did, or well, last week actually, which we we forgot to talk about actually was uh, the Human League's Dare, which is an extraordinary thing, really. Fantastic. That is Virgin's. It was Virgin's third number one album. Do you know what Numbers 1 and 2 were? Numbers 1 and 2, I think, were Tubular Bells and Herges Ridge. Except that they were in the other order. Oh, OK. Herges Ridge went to number one first. Oh, right. Yeah, I never knew this. <laughs> oh, God. And then, obviously, on the back of it, Tubular Bells got to number one. Wow. And then, and then it was Dare by the Human League. And then the next one Faith was, value, was oh, the first Phil Collins... Is yeah. it Face Value? Face Valley, I, I think, in this yeah. And it um, and is still amazing to reflect, when thinking about the Human League's Dare, that Phil Oakey didn't want Don't You Want Me. Didn't want it on there.
2: Is it? Is it the last track the second time? It's the, the
0: last track on the whole album. Didn't want it. He didn't want it on there. He certainly didn't want it as a single I think it was the fourth single from that album, wasn't it? I think it was Simon Draper who ran Virgin pretty much overruled them and said, that's coming out as a single. Yeah. And it uh, it went to number one in... When are we talking about Christmas 1982? Yeah. Uh, and it, it, uh, it's only through the good graces of of that record that we were spared the Christmas number one that year being Cliff Richard and Daddy's Home. Daddy's Home. (laughs) Incredible. It struck me when we were doing that quiz that
2: um, we'd interviewed Martin Ware. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. This is about a year ago. We interviewed Martin Ware about a memoir, a very very good memoir he had. And he was talking about the very bitter breakup of the Human League when he he and Craig Marsh were booted out and they formed the BEF and they started to you know to make a record, and the only place they could do it was the same studio, same studio. as the Human League were in, and I think it was the they worked at night, like the Human League worked in the day. I can't remember what it was, but he said one day there was unbelievable animosity between them, incredible rivalry too, and he said that they found uh, some tape and stuck it on one of the reels and played it. And it was uh, an early kind of demo of some of the Human League material that eventually finished up on Dare with the two girls singing it. And they, they just breathed a massive sigh of relief and thought, this is absolute garbage. There is no way that the Human League, without us, are ever going to get anywhere in this world. And the happy end of the story, actually, was that both groups did really, really well. Yeah, because they got 1%, didn't they? They got, one, they got 1% of it, Exactly. But uh, oh no, it's fun doing the quiz. One of the one of the uh, one of the clues was a slide with Norman Wisdom on it and the Ramones. Yeah, and it's lovely
0: because it's uh,
2: things that dreams are made of.
0: Norman Wisdom, Johnny, Joey, Dee Good Times. Good times. That's and right. another clue was uh, Michael Caine and Get Carter. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because, of course, the theme from Get Carter is on on the album. So Roy Budd, who I think is the person who wrote the theme from Get Carter, must have made quite a few quid out of that. Yeah. Because it was a huge hit record in America. And how is the American edition of Dare different from the British edition of Dare, Mark? One of them, the American one, I think has an exclamation mark. Has an exclamation mark. At the the end of Dare. Which was something inspired by a cover of a magazine, cover of Vogue. Or something, uh, cover of remember. cover of Vogue. Yes, we got we had the actual cover of Vogue. Yeah, and you know, so if you're fascinated by things like that, join us every Friday evening. You're a patron supporter, and if you're not fascinated by things like that, what the hell's wrong with you?
1: <laughs> <laughs> this podcast was brought to you by the Word.